When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Complex the Queens, Amazing Avenue's Minor League Podcast. I'm Steve Saipa, and I'm joined this week by Lucas Vlahos and Ken Levin. How are you guys doing? Good, good. I am somewhat returned to life, so not bad. That's good. We like we like life, I guess. Mm. Yeah, it seems like it's been a minute since the bunch of us were able to... Uh, record together so it's good to get the band back together sans thomas i guess this week no i'm here i'm here oh wow so i couldn't find my headphones when you were calling me because i can't use my computer this week so i'm on my phone on skype and i was looking for my airpods and i could not find them i was like running around my I was like using the find my app in my own apartment to try to find these <laughs> <laughs> because I don't remember where I put them, but I have them. So here we are. Well, then we're also joined this week by Thomas Henderson. Great. All right. So we'll do promote extend trade. And today apparently is Elvis's birthday, which I didn't know because I am not an Elvis fan. Can you get, get a hold of this guy, man? I've been wanting to. I've been watching Fallout New Vegas videos, and now I, all I can think of are the Kings. Well, yes, the King is. I, I'm a King fan, and I'm a Rex mm-hmm. fan, but I'm mm-hmm. not an Elvis Presley fan. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, Elvis is the King, as in the King of Rock and Roll, and he didn't like that nickname at first, but it stuck because Elvis is synonymous with being "quote unquote" the King. So, what other Kings are we going to promote, extend, or trade? First, we have the Burger King, and I'm not really sure where his kingdom is. <laughs> he is some sort of king, though, so they say. Next, we have King Kong. He's the king of Skull Island, and he's definitely someone not to be messed with. Mm-hmm. And finally, we have King Felix, and he is, I guess, the king of Seattle. Um, 
Burger King's an easy, obvious trade, right? Burger King's the worst fast food. Yeah, fuck place. Burger King. Yeah, Burger I, King I agree. But but what gave me pause was at one point in like the early late nineties, like maybe ninety nine or in two thousand, they changed their fry recipe and they legit had the best fries, like better than McDonald's fries and Wendy's mm-hmm. fries. But now their fries are shitty. So I mean, that's no point with them. But also, they had a shit ton of Star Wars Revenge of the Sith tie-in stuff when the movie came out. My parents never got me any meals with toys, so I have uh, no uh, connection to any of these fast food places <laughs> based on promotional toys. <laughs> um, yeah, their food sucks. It does. Why, why would you? Yeah, I never, th- I never went to Burger King much. There's one literally across the street from my building. And uh, I choose to drive to McDonald's every time. Yeah, same. Uh, There's a pretty shitty Burger King. There was a big fight actually in front of it, and now it's all uh, on the news. That (laughs) cop that beat the shit out of that little girl. I am not familiar with this particular incident of police brutality. Yeah, I know. It's just like, oh, gee, another uh, another police brutality incident. Yeah, that was literally like across the street from me. Across the street from the shitty Burger King. Uh, who was the King Kong man? Uh, I'm a little, I'm a giant uh kaiju movie fan generally, and I don't know that King Kong is a kaiju necessarily, but fits He's into vaguely. that. Yeah, fits into that general oof, oof. However you pronounce that word, I should know. I took French. Um, King Felix was a lot of fun though. Hmm. This is true. I'm I'm extending King Felix because King Kong has done nothing for me, whereas King Felix has won me championships. <laughs> King Kong specifically has not done anything for anything me. Anything for Steve? Personally. Well, we'll have to get him on the phone and ask him to answer for himself or why he specifically has never helped. King Kong, not, not a friend of podcast. <laughs> we made the same joke. You're dead to us. Um, never come on the show. Yeah, Godzilla kicked his ass anyway. No, he didn't, unfortunately. That's also another reason why I don't like King Kong. Godzilla should kick King Kong's ass. Well, he did in the new movie. Oh, damn. Yeah. Okay. I haven't yeah. seen that. Spoiler movies. alert. It's, oh, it's, a, it's not, not a... It was a very disappointing movie after the first two were, were genuinely pretty good. Mm, okay. Um, but it did resolve the issue from the black and white Godzilla versus Kong movie from what, like 1957? Something like that. That's the one I'm familiar with. Where Kong somehow inexplicably wins. Yes. Yeah. Well, granted, Godzilla was a bit of a pushover back then, but still. Mm-hmm. I'm now looking up the original date of Godzilla vs. Kong 1962. Mm. Uh, yeah, give me King Felix, too. Like, it's this is a baseball podcast. King Felix is great. King Kong, not a noted baseball player. No, no. no. Just sucks that Felix fell off so quickly and so suddenly. Yeah. And and his fall off was weird because it's like he didn't really get hurt, right? He just kind of. No. He just kind of sucked. He lost. Yeah, he lost like two to three miles per hour on the fastball. And when he lost that, the changeup wasn't as effective. And it's just like, well, that's the end of that. I mean, the weird thing is he was effective for a while without the velocity as well. Like, early in his career, he would sit, I don't know, 95, 96, 
and he was really good. And then he was sitting high 92, 93 for a couple years and was still really good. And then it just all went to shit. And the next year he lost even more velocity and it went even more to shit. And then his career was over. It's pretty crazy when you look back on it. There was a lot of talk about like whether it was just an innings thing because he threw so many innings as a young guy. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So I remember reading something like in the late 2000s to mid 2010s, he like was the th- had the third most innings of any pitcher. That could be it. Well, R.I.P. King Felix. And I guess R.I.P. King Kong as well. You're promoting Kong, I suppose, yes. Now, now, can I ask a different King Kong-related question? What position does King Kong play on the baseball diamond? D.H.? You don't think he can field? Maybe Imagine him at, like, first base. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> His stretch zone is probably, like, awful for him, though. The exit like, velos are impressive. Well, you just have to throw the he allowed to use. <laughs> Whatever he, he wants. He comes up with a tree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. What position would he be? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. So, like, I know he's slow, but you could put him in center field because he would take up so much space. Right, space. right, right. It would take like five, like a step for him to cover the entire outfield. So you could just have him play outfield by himself and shift everyone close. Could have him play catcher too. He'd probably be pretty good at blocking the ball, you know, because he's so large. The you arm got a is huge a plus. target back there, dude. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Please throw a strike. <laughs> the umpire will be too afraid to call it a ball. Also, <laughs> very good point. Uh, umpire <laughs> won't be able to see. The umpire can't see the strike zone, so. Well, now we know who Steve Cohen needs to go out and sign next. Yeah, if Francisco Alvarez doesn't work out behind the dish, uh, we got to get King Kong on the phone. King Kong, surely will. (laughs) All right, well, before we uh, go on to the meat of the matter for this week, there's a couple of things, a couple of updates on some of the international players that we spoke about a couple of weeks ago that are worth bringing up. Uh, the biggest update <clears throat> is that Jung Ho Lee, who is the current reigning KBO MVP, he's going to get posted at the end of this upcoming season. So he was due to earn his international free agent option at the end of 2024 anyway, but now he's going to be posted by the Kiwum Heroes this upcoming winter, so he'll be in the uh, MLB a year early. He's a pretty good player, as we discussed. He's a career 342, 342, excuse me. 342, 407, 495 hitter over the course of his six-year career. He's going to be 24 this upcoming season. He's coming off of an MVP season, as mentioned, where he hit 349, 421, 575 with 23 home runs, five stolen bases, and 66 walks to 32 strikeouts in 142 games. Uh, He's primarily a center fielder. um, And... The Mets will have most likely uh, an opening in the outfield next winter, assuming that they don't re uh, they don't activate Mark Hanna's option. So 
the Mets could conceivably the Mets could conceivably be in on the posting process, which is kind of refreshing. Mm-hmm. And even if you do get uh, keep Ken around, you could still sign him anyway. Right, exactly. I mean, you I, know. I don't think I don't think he should forbid you from signing another outfielder regardless next year. Mm-hmm. He also fits nicely in the Brandon Nimmo career trajectory, you'd think, because presumably, maybe not next year, but within the next, I would say, two to four years, you're going to be looking at shifting Nimmo to a corner. Um, not necessarily because his defense has declined, but to keep him healthy. Um, and this would presumably be an interesting option to to slide into that spot. Um, mm-hmm. I've not watched. It's pretty hard to. I've not find any found any good videos of his defense from the KBO, but the reports I've read are that it's generally pretty good in center. Um, who knows how well that translates exactly, but. Yeah, I mean, that's something that's stadiums are usually well, not usually stadiums. There are a bit smaller in dimension, right. but I mean, it's not like there's any U.S. stadiums that are like the polo grounds or anything like that anymore. I mean, everything is still fairly cookie cutter and normal, you know, nowadays. And so also, like, even if he has to move to a corner, luckily you uh, lock down Nemo for so long. Right. It's totally fine. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine having a let's let's presume for a moment that the Korea signing actually goes through um, knock on wood, et cetera, et cetera, <laughs> which is a much longer discussion, obviously. Um, but an outfield group that would consist of Marte, Kana, Nemo, Beatty and uh, Lee, that'd be uh, pretty nice. And that also helps hedge for Marte if he does leave. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. after the after next year, like you're not completely devoid of outfielders at that point. We could have, um, what do you call it? We could have Jung Ho Lee in one corner and Khalil Lee in another corner. <laughs> probably, probably don't want Khalil Lee starting, but yes, that is a possibility. Yeah, and hopefully, also, you know, Jung Ho Lee works out i mean i think that his swing is a lot better than some of the other guys that have come from korea and not succeeded so that's you know points i like it a lot more than ha sung kim's yeah 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 it's Um, it's much more well balanced and much less the biggest thing is he doesn't have that big flamingo kick that most asian (laughs) hitters have and in the u.s that seems like it's just such a bad idea with so much more premium velocity yeah, the timing is so. The, you, your timing window is already difficult, and then you have to factor in the velocity on top of it. It must be impossible. Mm-hmm. So he would be 25 when he comes to the MLB, which is you know, not. I mean, that's basically like prospecty age. You know, there's a couple of guys that are in AAA with other teams that are, you know, 25, 24, that have experience in in AAA. You know, Michael Bush from the Dodgers, Josh Jung with the Rangers, Oscar Colas with the White Sox. They're kind of older dudes that are prospects. They've dominated the upper levels of the minors. Lee would be in that same boat, having dominated, you know, foreign league, which is the equivalent of an upper minor league. So he would definitely be a Mets top prospect again. <laughs> Oh, yeah. 
Uh, yeah. Yeah, I would think so. Uh, I think there's a chance Williams or and or Parada blow the doors off and make that a conversation. But uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, who knows? I don't mean that he would be the Mets' number one prospect, but he would be oh, a. Oh, okay. Yeah. He'd be in the top three, I think. If yeah, I don't see any way he's not a top yeah. three guy. Certainly. If we're assuming at that point Beatty and Alvarez graduate, yep. Um, I would. I, that's what I would assume. Either if they sign Correa, they could trade Beatty. I don't think they will. I think they'll have him play the outfield and then graduate him. But Well, the next update uh, concerns another reigning MVP, but this one, I guess, might not be a Mets top prospect in the future. Um, Munitaka Murakami. Now, we already know that he's going to be posted after the 2025 season. His contract extension with the Occult Swallows literally stipulates that he has to be. So there's no you know, guessing or anything like that. No speculation he's going to be. But unfortunately, at least at this point right now, he's probably not going to be um, entertaining the Mets. On a Japanese talk show this past week, he mentioned that ideally he would be playing for a team on the West Coast or specifically the Yankees. So okay. <laughs> hopefully maybe in three years, the Mets will have more positive branding, you know, with, with Cohen just going crazy and, and signing people and just doing crazy things. Maybe he'll be interested in, in the Mets as well as the Yankees and those West Coast teams. But for now, we are, I guess, on the outside looking in. Hey, if two-fifths of the Mets rotation at that point is Shohei Otani and Kodai <laughs> Senga, and exactly. they're saying only good things about the Mets, maybe that changes some opinions. Here's hoping. And a lot of stuff changes by the time he's ready to get yeah, posted. Also, like, yeah. you just put the biggest pile of money in front of him, and it's probably going to change his mind real quick because that's <laughs> yeah. usually how these things go and i was i was reading like a thread on twitter where he mentioned that and then people are you know discussing whatever the whole concept is like kind of annoying actually like players specifically asian players from korea or japan saying that they would prefer west coast teams and the preponderance of them you know signing and playing in the west coast teams there really isn't that. It's like a three-hour difference, which is so minimal. Like, uh. I feel like a lot of that is history based on who has signed a lot of players like that. Like, yeah. Like the Yankees have a long history of signing Japanese players at this point, and it working out for them. And so do a lot of the West Coast teams, like the Dodgers and the Mariners, come to mind, and because of mm-hmm. Ichiro and stuff like that. So I'm sure a lot of it also. When you're growing up in Japan, you see the guys who are the stars go to the Yankees and the West Coast, and you're like, well, that's where I want to go. You know what I mean? That's true. Mm-hmm. I mean, when Itaka Murakami growing up, he saw, like, Hideki Matsui not as a giant. As a Yankee. You know but as I mean? a Yankee. Like, jeez, yeah. man. And the Yankees are I, also the Yankees. No matter what, they're going to be. Yeah. yeah. They're going to be the biggest name in baseball. That's just. That's just the fact of the matter. The, the Mets could win four World Series in a row, and it'll always be the Yankees first because of history. Well, then they need to win, what is it, 27 World Series in a row now? Though? In a row, yeah. All right. <laughs> I think Easy. Pull, I think they could pull that off. I think there might be uh, might be some uh, uh, calls to rebalance the sport a bit if that were to happen. <laughs> 
literal nothing with two decades of dominance. I could get behind that, though. I mean, the Bundesliga has been won by the same team for like literally a decade now. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's a, all things are possible. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, so back to the Mets minor league system now. Uh, we began our 2023 top prospect list this past week. So today we're just going to go over those players, maybe offer a little more insight, info, whatever. Uh, first up, coming in at 25, is third baseman William Lugo. He was signed by the Mets back in 2018, um, about a month after the international free agent signing period started because they were basically – tapped out almost immediately. They spent $2.7 million on Francisco Alvarez. They spent another almost $1.5 million on Freddy Valdez, who is now at the Red Sox. And they were basically done and and capped. But they got some extra money from Oakland in the J. Reese Familia trade. So about half of that went to Lugo. And his career has basically been unremarkable up until this season. Uh, he wasn't really great in 2019 when he played his first professional season at DSL, missed 2020 because of COVID. And then in 2021, he played for the SCL Mets and wasn't really that great. This past season, though, 2022, he hit a combined 263-347-432 in 112 games combined with St. Lucie and Brooklyn. Basically split like two-thirds of the season with St. Lucie and then the last one-third with Brooklyn. Uh, he hit 14 total home runs which puts him in uh, very good company. Uh, only Francisco Alvarez, Alex Ramirez, and Junior Tillian. They were the only teens or 20-year-olds in the system this year that got double-digit home run totals. So that's definitely something we like to see. And he also had a pretty reasonable uh, walk-to-strikeout ratio. He had 50 walks to 117 strikeouts. So you know uh, that comes out to a 10.6 walk percentage and 28.3 strikeout percentage. Reasonable. Um, mostly played third base last season. He had about 700 innings at third, 215 at short, 65 at first, and then a couple of games he was the DH. He's a big, thick kid. He's six foot three, 230 pounds, but he's pretty athletic and agile for now. So third base is definitely his best fit you know, in the near-term future. Probably we'll have to move over to first base someday. But for now, third base works. You know, he's reactive and rangy enough, and he has a, a good arm. So, well, that works defensively. And the bat definitely fits for third base. I think he's the kind of guy that does – I mean, he, he 
just arrived, I guess is the best way of saying it. Can you be overlooked if you've literally just arrived? I don't know. I mean, feels like I guess a guy we knew about him for a while, though. Yeah. But there's something here, but as you said, he's a thick boy. He's probably a four-corners platoon type down the line. Yeah, Still probably. Yeah, absolutely. I would take that for sure. It's it, a lot of it's, it's like the power in the on base percentage was a nice. If you're gonna arrive in that way, that's two nice skills to have at your base. Mm-hmm. What was encouraging as well is that their performance didn't dip at all after the promotion. Like you see a lot of these guys play well at A ball mm-hmm. and then flame out the second they get challenged uh, to a to a higher level and he was basically the same um so i don't know it's 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 not going to be sad if they wind up trading him for something but he's a nice piece to follow and has a good chance to to check in in like the 10 to 20 range next year if if these trends continue yep i mean he hit Four home runs in 30 games with Brooklyn. So, you know, you, you, you extend that over the course of an entire season. That's like almost – that's like 25 home runs in Brooklyn. That's pretty good, I think. Mm. <laughs> yeah, you, you you take that. Right. Oh, yes. Honestly, I would take four home runs in Brooklyn too. I mean, you know how it is. I mean, yeah, Brooklyn's like Jesus. For, for, for those of you who have never gone, it's cold and it's right by the water and – it's huge. <laughs> I will not so, be attending. I, I'm going to force myself to attend some Brooklyn games this year. I'm not going to any in the until it's warm out. I'm not doing that to myself. It's it's a very odd place because of where it is. It's right on the boardwalk, right by Coney, right by the beach. It, so hitting a home run there, it's like I don't care who you are. It's like goddamn, <laughs> that's a big boy home run. All of them. Right. I mean, every anything- single one of those home runs are earned. Left-handers, you're just doomed. Like, you're not pulling anything into the winds coming from the Atlantic. Yeah, it's just, it's not going to happen. All right. uh, Next up, next guy who came in at 25 is Simon Wan. And he was the Mets' main acquisition in January when the international free agent signing period started. They signed him for $1.9 million, which was a little bit under the half um, halfway mark of the 5.1 million that they had in their bonus pool. Played his first professional season this this past year. He got into 53 games to the DSL Mets, and he hit 219, 310, 323, with two home runs, 16 steals, and 20 walks to 54 strikeouts. Um, I just I feel like there really is not too much to say about Juan because he's just so young and just so raw. And there's just, you know, so many different ways that his career could go. He's yep. speedy and rangy, though, so that's a good floor. You know, those are good tools to raise the floor. But in terms of, like, hitting, who knows if he'll be able to hit a, a lick or not, you know, too early to tell. Yeah. Because, like, obviously that stat line isn't great, but also it was how many games? 54. 53. I mean, that's, that's not – a huge sample it's not a tiny sample it's not two weeks but it's not the biggest sample in the world either yeah i mean and a year ago he was just chilling at home you know yeah exactly he was doing whatever a dominican 16 year old does so and then now he's playing professional baseball like it's a big jump 
So I kind of just ignored the stat lines for those for those leagues and call it a day. I mean, we literally have no new information here, right? He's not the he's not been mm-hmm. so good that he's getting hyped out the wazoo like some guys have. Um, and he wasn't so disastrous that you're like, like some of the sometimes these guys just like strike out fifty percent of the time in the DSL, and you're like, hmm, that's a problem. Um, but he wasn't yeah. doing that either. So I don't know. It could be yeah, a boast. <laughs> he's you you want your entire system to be guys like this all right uh next coming in at 23 is eric orzi and he was the last guy selected in the super abbreviated five-round draft in 2020 and ironically he's the last man standing because jt ginn was traded to oakland isaiah green was traded to cleveland and anthony walters and matthew dwyer were both released so, you know, we all know that he had a ton of adversity in college in order to make it and get drafted in the first place. And this season now he faced his real first time adversity on the field as a professional. Last year, his first season um, with the Mets, it was a pretty solid, pretty solid year for him. He had a 308 ERA in 34 games with Brooklyn, Binghamton and Syracuse combined. But this year he hit a wall in Syracuse. He appeared in 32 games for them, and he posted a 5.13 ERA in 47.1 innings, uh, with 42 hits allowed, 14 walks, and 64 strikeouts. And it was just a weird season for him because for whatever reason he gave up a ton of home runs for a reliever, uh, 11, which comes out to basically two per nine innings, which is not what you want to see from you know like a one inning mostly reliever. He was bad. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I guess there's no sugarcoating it. He was bad. He did miss some time with an injury, and, you know, it would be easy to say, like, okay, yeah, like, he was hurt. That's why he kind of sucked. But I don't think that tells the whole story because usually when you're hurt, there's, like, other signs, and nothing else is really out of whack. His velocity was basically normal. His walk rates and his strikeout rates were good. They lined up with what he did in the upper minors in 2021. So I don't know why all of a sudden he was just – giving out home runs left and right, but here's hoping it, it was a blip. Yeah, I mean, this is a tough thing to... Reliever home run rates are a very tough thing to understand. Um, if we had, like, full StatCast data on him, we could probably see a lot more. Um, but, like, my best guess is that he struggles to... I can never remember which is command is which is, and which is control, right? But my best guess is that he's throwing strikes, but leaving his stuff in too hittable a spot a lot of the time, and it's just getting hammered when batters do actually connect with it. So you might expect a really high hard hit rate or something like that, and that's leading to the home runs. But it's a reliever sample size. He was better in the second half. It could all be meaningless. So who can yeah, say? Yeah, it's, it's hard for multiple reasons, because like you said, with sample size, it's so it could just have been a bad few months for him. And I wonder if, cause we kind of this time last year, we're talking about him as a potential early season call up. And then he was so bad right out of the gate. I wonder if it's one of those things where he, he knows that he's like, Oh man, this is my shot. And I'm giving up home runs every day. So that mm-hmm. does not make it easier for you when you're playing. Yeah. that's. I know it's, too. I, I know you can't really quantify the mental aspect of it because it's impossible to do so, but that stuff is real. Like the guy sees the pressure of, oh shit, like this was my 
this was my uh this was going to be my shot and now other guys are getting called up because I keep giving up home runs that does not help you know yeah no that's a very good point stuff just snowballs on relievers man like look at Edwin Diaz (laughs) that dude was terrible when he first got traded here and it just kept getting worse because of the nature of the position and then he figured it out and he was amazing last year all right, so you heard it here, folks. Eric Orsi oh, is no. the next oh, Edwin Diaz. No. Oh, no. That's what I heard. It's going to be funny if he's really good this year and I get to be like, look at my predictions. <laughs> oh, here's hoping. Right. All right, our next guy on the list at 22 <clears throat> is Willie Fanias, and he's another guy that the Mets signed this past season as an international rookie. Uh, he's basically the other guy that the Mets signed. Um, they signed him for $1.5 million, which is basically their other big expenditure. And then when you combine that with the money that Simon Juan got, that was basically like 80% of it. Uh, he almost wasn't a Met, though. The Angels signed him a couple of years ago to an unofficial you know, handshake agreement. But after the 2020 season, when Billy Epler got fired, the Angels reneged on that contract and they left poor Willie Hanius hanging. But Billy Eppner to the rescue, I guess. Um, he, he got brought to the Mets, and Willie Fanius was still out there, so they signed the Mets signed him this time officially uh, in January. He made his professional debut with the DSL Mets this past year. He hit 257, 330, 297 in 32 games. Um, he did not hit any home runs. He stole 10 bases, and he drew 11 walks to 24 strikeouts. Basically, like Simon uh, Juan, he's basically a kind of speedy guy, so that gives him a high floor. Uh, Finest is also a switch hitter, so that's useful. But, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, same same stuff. There's no information, no new information about him that's, you know, giving him a massive amount of helium or anything like that. And he's just super raw and super experienced, inexperienced, so who knows how, you know, like he'll develop. Yeah. I have no strong feelings one way or the other. Mm. All I it's, know it's, is my gut says to. maybe. It's it's, it's hard to uh, have strong feelings with these dudes because they're just so far away and we have so little. What turns a man neutral, Lucas? Gold, lust for power. Um, and and again, like Juan, he's not getting. I don't know how to explain this, right? But like. When the guys that that like have some buzz, there's like a specific crowd of people you know where to to see that buzz coming from. I guess we haven't heard that for Juan or Fanyas. We've heard it so, a little bit on another guy we'll talk about probably in a couple of weeks, but um, yeah, just nothing. No, no new information. So basically, with prospects, you got to go your prospect dealers. You got to hit uh, them up and see if they yeah. have any buzz. <laughs> That's certainly one analogy to use, Steve. <laughs> uh, honestly, I think the, the the I don't know how to best say this. The most important thing about Fanyas, the most interesting thing, whatever, is that you know he got jilted by the Angels. He lost some money. Basically, he had an agreement for 1.8 million dollars with them. The Mets signed him for 1.5, so he lost 300 thousand dollars, which sucks. Um, because, you know, somebody in the Angels organization after Minosian took over just decided, hey, we're not going to honor these agreements that Epler 
made. But are you telling him, me that the international system fucks over these sixteen-year-old right. kids routinely? Right. I'm so, shocked. I'm shocked. To gambling in this establishment. Fanyas, along with another guy that the Angels dumped, Keterson Pavan, who uh, got signed by the Rangers, they're suing the Angels for a lot of money. Oh, good! I didn't know this. Hell yeah! Yeah. So I mean, you know, like like you were kind of alluding, it's it's common practice to like unofficially sign players under the age of 16. Um, in the Caribbean, and basically promise them like, yeah, the organization is gonna sign you and. It's it's a problematic practice because literally, like we see here, the players don't have any kind of protection. And if the team wants to just be like, yeah, we we said we were going to sign you and we didn't you know, let you work out in front of their other scouts and teams. And we kept you in our camps and we, we had you follow the regimens that we wanted you to follow. But we don't want to sign you anymore. And, you know, like the players left screwed. And I mean, I guess with in terms of. Fanyas and Pavin, it's a it's a happy outcome, even though they lost money because they still got signed at the end and they still made considerable amounts of money. Um, you know, who knows how many players are out there that they get that like we never heard of. Right. And that's like the end. So it'll be interesting to see like where this lawsuit goes and if the ruling is made in favor of the players how that impacts, you know, like the, the whole international signing scene going forward. Because it is a a madhouse? That's not really the right way. It's just it's, it's lawless. lawless. It's lawless. There's there's technically rules, but no one follows them. And mm-hmm. even your favorite team, no matter who it is, they don't follow them. Because otherwise they wouldn't sign these. Yes. Like it's the same thing when people are like, oh, the the Mets are expected to sign this person, this international free agent. Like, how do you know that? It's because he they already agree. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it's just it's not very hard to once you think about it a little bit, it's not very hard to see the signs that it's kind of it's dirty. Just. The system is broken and they need Mm -hmm. to fix it. And look at um, what's his name? From the twins. Well, he's not on the twins anymore. He came. Miguel Sano. Mm-hmm. When he like he was like this mega like hyped kid, and then they started there being whispers like, oh, he's not who he says he is. Oh, he's older than he actually is. And there was like a whole big thing like to basically just get him to sign for less money, and that's basically what happened. Um, I don't. I think it was the Pirates that he originally was supposed to sign yes. with. Yeah. Yes. And. And their like head scout in the area, like basically had this whole whisper campaign about him trying to get him to lower how much he would accept. And he ended up just ditching the pirates and signing for the twin signing with the twins because they were the ones offering the next best deal. But that was still like. Half of what he was expected to get and wanted to get before the whole thing started as a shortstop, mind you, Miguel Sano was a shortstop prospect. Yeah. Is that, that's my favorite stuff. Juan Lagares shortstop prospect. <laughs> it was all in a. I, don't, I doubt it's on Netflix anymore, but I remember like a long, long, long time ago. At this point, like probably ten years ago, I guess. I don't know. Um, it was a, it was a a documentary about the whole situation on Netflix. It was called like Pelotero, which means like baseball player in Spanish, and it was like 
just documenting the whole situation. And it's 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 shitty. I mean, these are multi-billion dollar teams and they're nickeling and diming literally kids that have nothing. Yep. Stand up bunch of guys. Ah, stand up. That's pretty funny. Because the last guy that we're going to talk about is really tall. <laughs> uh, completely unintentional. So, yeah. The last guy that we're going to talk about this week, number 21, is Junior Santos. And he definitely feels like he's been around forever. But he just turned 21 a couple of months ago. So, he could finally legally drink. Steve, if you want to go exert my comments about Junior Santos from the last year yeah, or the I year mean, before, the we thing, can yeah. uh, you can do that. Uh, yeah. I'll just uh, be quiet. <laughs> yeah, ba- I mean, basically, there's two ways of looking at Santos here. On one hand, the Mets have been always very aggressive with him, um, and he's been extremely young at every level that he's pitched at. But he's never embarrassed himself. You know, he's generally posted either slightly above average or slightly below average numbers um you know and and he has traits that you like to see in pitchers you know he's he's tall he gets good extension his fastball velocity is like mid 90s it sits and he gets good ground ball rates so these are good things that we like to see but on the other hand as lucas is alluding to you know you could see the potential but at no point does it look like he's ever taken a step forward in the last couple of years he still gives up a too many hits that you'd want a, a a guy to give up. His walk rate could be improved. His secondary pitches are still a lot more raw than you'd want to see from a guy who has now basically two full season um, years of experience and, and a half season in the Appalachian League. So this past season was, I think, his best season. Um, and it's not really that much to write home about. He threw... 116 and two-thirds innings to the tune of a 447 ERA, allowing 126 hits, walking 44, and striking out 105. And that was a little bit better than league average. But at the same time, you know, it it happened in Brooklyn, so we know that Brooklyn is a very pitching-friendly environment. More so than the rest of the quote-unquote South Atlantic League. I mean, there's a chance... That uh, the Mets are just not optimizing him correctly. I've talked to two different people who like the fastball or saw things they liked about the fastball. Uh, and I don't know what I'm doing when I look at pitches, but I don't see it. And the performance sure as hell doesn't show it. So I, 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 don't, I don't know. I it mean, feels it's, like that it's... classic, hey, he's tall and he looks like a pitcher so he's gonna be a good pitcher right guys right (laughs) eventually like that's that's the problem is that we're literally in the same exact spot that we were 2019 when he first came stateside and you're just like this guy is like cool yeah it's the same thing it's just frustrating and like because like like you're saying there are aspects to like like his physical presence certain characteristics about his fastball his Ground ball rates. These are all good things. And, and that's could, why we're here right now, because he's right, never exactly. been bad enough to like completely ignore, but he's never been good enough to really get out of this general area. The only reason why he's down a little bit in the in the system is because there's just more players now. Like the Mets system is getting a little better. So 
he would what what was he probably like 16 to 18 last time or something yeah it sounds about right and now he's in the 20s like it's not necessarily anything to do with him it's more that the system is slowly and surely getting a little bit better and they're getting guys who are you should be plugging in there because he should have been around 20 you know I mean, he, this is literally the definition of stockholding. Like, nothing has changed in the last couple of years. Yeah. It's just frustrating. But I really don't know what they... I mean, if I did, I guess I'd be working for a team. But I don't know what they do to, like, improve him. Like, you know, his... Uh, off the top of my head, I don't really recall if it's a slider or a curve. I think it's a slider. It just has, like, uh, not a lot of horizontal movement to it. So, I mean, it's slider is like, yeah. Changeup is like, yeah. It's like, well, he's been throwing both of these pitches for years. Like, what do you do to make either one of these better? I don't know. What do you, you know, you give him another pitch? Like, what is there left to give him? Like, I don't know. You simply teach him a knuckleball and make him oh, like hell a yeah. six-seven knuckleballer. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a plan. I don't think there are any knuckleballers in the league anymore. No, huh? there was nope. there was no no registered knuckleballs thrown. Uh, that sucks. Get Otani, show Otani some like old school Phil Necro videos and or like R.A. Dickey Cy Young season. He'll be like, oh, that's cool, and he'll have one in his next start. I bet you could get Scherzer to throw one. <laughs> <laughs> like, how would that work like, though? Like, he's so max effort with his pitches, and and he throws the most max effort knuckleball <laughs> ever. It's like eighty <laughs> miles per hour, and it's terrible. It's like ninety one, <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like it doesn't do anything. It's just like a he's really like it's a knuckleball change up. <laughs> yeah, he's like, look at my knuckleball guys. So we're like, Max, please. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so yeah, those are uh, Mets prospects 25 to 21. I hope that anyone listening, you know, we've kind of given more explanation as to why they're ranked where they are, and you know, this discourse has helped and whatnot. And I feel like we say this every year, but it gets a little more more stuff to talk about the closer we get to the bottom because there's just yeah. more. There's just more guys. Yeah, the Mets system has been very top heavy for years i feel like maybe finally now this year it's like getting a little bit better but in the past like you know maybe it was like one to six and then it kind of gets dicey this year is like maybe one to eight and it kind of gets dicey even We're like still 10, well in the dicey. i wasn't that yeah that's true to that's find true. people even the, if they're not like amazing prospects right it was still there's still a clear uh tears we're 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 now really just kind of this week and next week we are kind of going to be stepping out of the throw shit on the wall and see what sticks phase and getting to like the more established kind of players where you can see okay that's what what's what that's what's going on. All right, so if anyone has any questions, comments, whatever, you can send us an email at our email address from complex to queens at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter and shoot us questions there. I'm at Steve Seiper. Lucas is at Elvlahos343. Ken is at KenLavin91. And Thomas is at SZN. Subscribe to the podcast, wherever you got your podcasts from. Rate and review it. And, of course, we thank you for listening. 
and we'll be back next week. So until then, love the Mets, love the Mets.